everybody, and welcome to Song Mess. I'm Beverly Bryan. And I'm Richard Villegas. And we are here with a very special guest that we are super excited about. She is a writer and an editor and all around amazing music person. And bad bitch. Uh, her name is Isabella Herrera, and she is the music editor at Remez Glow, which means she is also our boss. Hey! <laughs> How you doing, Isabella? I'm good. I'm excited to be here. All right. And also, um, I'm really super excited about our theme for today. How would you describe, Isabella, what we're going to be talking about and what kind of music we're going to be playing? I mean, I think the only way to describe it is perreo intenso. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to be looking at independent and emerging artists who are remaking reggaeton and reinventing it. And so what were we just listening to just now? Um, yeah, I, I this this is Chiquito Bendito by Las Sucias. Um, they're a noise reggaeton project from Oakland. And uh, I picked the song because I think it's really interesting. I feel like no one has ever put noise and reggaeton together. Mm. It's really interesting to me. It works. Yes, it works really well. And um, in particular, this song is interesting, I think, because I read that the one of the members wrote the song when she was on the bus and she was being harassed. Like a guy was telling her to smile and how pretty she was and kind of just like, you know, verbally harassing her and the lyrics are just like I thought it are really like wonderful <laughs> um, the lyrics are like si me siento en tu cara tu te vas a sofocar and like tu no puedes con todo eso and it's like it's just like I thought it was a brilliant like medium to talk about this and and put these kinds of lyrics to this music so yeah I find like reggaeton is really like women in reggaeton are all about like I mean I think they are very conscious that it's kind of a misogynistic genre and so they're like it's all about asserting yourselves um, and I think that's a great story in a great medium for this for sure for sure and to put that like I don't know, to find like the space between noise and reggaeton and like bridge that gap and yeah. use it to talk about like a feminist issue is just like, girl, you killed it. <laughs> okay, so let's finish out the song and we will be right back with more Isabel Herrera.
to talk a little bit about your musical background and, you know, um, how you became our super editor. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about, you know, growing up in Chicago and, um, you know, what that was like, what kind of music you got into? Yeah, for sure. So I, yeah, like you said, I grew up on the West side of Chicago. Um, I kind of always had like a weird, weird combination of music growing up. Um, I feel like, yeah, I got into like Chicago hip hop, like really early on. Cause it was just, I was surrounded by that. So that was inevitable. Um, and you know, at the same time I, you know, listened to a lot of punk music growing up. I would go to a lot of punk shows. Um, but I never really went to like the Southern part of the city, like in Pilsen and like little village where like the big Latino punk scene was. So I guess my like impression of it was a little bit different. Um, but yeah, like I just remember like my dad playing everything from like Leonard Cohen to like Bjork to like Silvio Rodriguez growing up in my house. Okay. So that it was a very like weird musical context to grow up in. Um, but yeah, I feel like that kind of fed into my like omnivorousness. So, um, what was the first show you ever went to? That's too embarrassing to reveal. I'll, I'll reveal. I, oh. I recently revealed mine on Facebook, so I yours will, is probably dope. Though I will do mine if you do yours. What was the first one you went to, Richard? Barry Manilow. Okay. <laughs> you're not, I went you're to, not even embarrassed about that. I paid so. $50 to go see him at the Nassau Coliseum. You What's already know. <laughs> and it was the gayest fucking thing you've ever seen in your life. And it was everything. Um, my first show was the Christian rock band Switchfoot. Yes! <laughs> I was hoping for Striper, but I will take Switchfoot. Yes. That's, that's pretty good. Um, what about you, Beverly? Well, I have early memories of my parents taking me to bluegrass concerts, but I was like five, so that doesn't count, right? What was the first one that you bought with your own money that yeah. you were like, I'm paying money to see this band? Yeah, as opposed to like getting myself, I think it might have been less than Jake. That's a good one. Though. And I'm, I'm, I'm from sorry. Florida and... I don't know who that is. What? Well, they're a ska punk band from the 1990s, Okay, hey. Richard. <laughs> All right. I, 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 it's not my genre, hey. <laughs> it, um, the, well, the point is that it is mine and we can all have our different feelings about that. That's fine. <laughs> um, okay, cool. Well, let's carry on with some musica. So we have a song uh, up next by Mount Joy. Yes. This is Aparentemente. Okay, cool. Um, and let's listen to the song and then we'll discuss. Cool. Aparentemente no. No te quieren conmigo. Oh, no. Oh, no. Si tú supieras que yo también tengo lo mío.
So that was pretty cool. Yet another really interesting combination of reggaeton and another delicious flavor that we like. Um, so this was, this was very ambient. I mean... Yeah, I feel like if ambient reggaeton is a term, that's what this would be. <laughs> like, who, who is Mount Joy? He is a Costa Rican producer. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, you don't really hear a lot of Costa Rican producers, right? Yeah. Um, I think he must be like... 19 or 20 like he's really really young but this is like a reimagining of like a very famous that i get song called aparentemente and it's kind of oh. cool that he like slowed down all the vocals and made it like yeah this very ambient like down tempo sort of thing so i kind of want to ask you about that because we've seen um we're listening to this um and we've seen a lot of things like this recently where um there's a younger generation that is clearly appreciates reggaeton a lot and but they're they're they've all got to mess with it they've all got to do something else yes and sometimes it's just like innovative production sometimes it's a subject matter that's not typical for you know the big reggaeton hits that you're going to hear on um the radio and you know sometimes it's combining it with other genres and i'm wondering what do you think is going on is it is it a reclamation or is it just a way of a new generation making something their own or are they trying to fix a genre that gets a bad rap or what do you think is going on yeah i mean i think it's a lot of different things some of what you touched on you know i think like for so many of these kids like they just grew up around reggaeton so it makes sense like that that would be their source material that they would work with um and like you know you I feel like as a music fan, you were surrounded by like the top 40 reggaeton hits at the same time that you were like digging online, you know, like listening to really weird electronic music and doing this. So it makes sense to like put those two things together. Um, I also do think that there, for a very long time, there was like an indie backlash to reggaeton that yeah. is like very, very like classist and racist almost, I want to say. Like, I think. You Indie know, rock can be like that. <laughs> it is known to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I think, like, it, it's complicated because, like, obviously reggaeton is a very, like, misogynistic genre. It, it is very, like, complicated. Lots of different, you know, social uh, issues at play there. Um, but at the same time, I think, like, there is an elitism that a lot of indie kids had, you know, in in reference to reggaeton, you know, that they thought they were better than it or that it was, like, low class or that right. it was, like, vulgar or, or something, you know? And I just feel like this is, to me, it feels like part of a movement to, like, reclaim how, like, subversive reggaeton is and how present it is in our life and, like, rework it into something that's, like, really powerful and innovative and different. Yeah, I think it's really cool to see it being embraced um, because, you know, everything needs to be able to evolve. And I think that every generation has a right to take the music they grew up with and, and make it into something that works for them. For sure. Or something that can be really theirs, you know. So it's a cool thing to um, be listening to uh, or, like, hearing happen. I'm wondering, um, I mean, I can... Just from knowing like uh, the things that you write about, I know that you are you you're a big appreciator of reggaeton and and you love the Pareo. And I was wondering, um, like, when did you get into reggaeton? Was it always something that like you appreciated, or did you come to reggaeton? Interesting. Yeah. Um. I feel like reggaeton was always something that I liked. I feel like I 
you know, when my mom would like play like La Mega in Chicago. Yes, La Mega. (laughs) You know, I feel like when she would play that radio station, like just in the car, like I just grew up listening to it, you know, and I went, when I would go back to DR, like I would watch like HTV or something. Okay. Uh Like watch all the music videos. And, and it was just kind of like always a part of my life, I think. So I just feel like, you know, at a certain point I thought, man, it would be really cool to look at this from like a cultural angle and like learn more about the scene and kind of like value it in the same way that people value other, the canon of other music genres. It is something that like I've, I've noticed um, that there's like a, a pattern that repeats itself where like there will be a genre of music that is denigrated in a way that is simultaneously racist and classist. The genre of music might have some issues and there may be some legitimate criticisms of it, but it is what it is and it's great. And then it goes from being banned to ignored to eventually becoming just the pop music that of that is a country. Like we've seen that here with hip hop. We've seen that with yes. cumbia. We've yeah. seen that with bachata, you know, and so I feel like reggaeton might be a part of that story. I think it's definitely a part of that story for um, sure. I want to move on to some music soon. But before we do, I had a question because you mentioned you, you shared a meme this week about <laughs> how it was like, you know, mediocre electronic music. And then like some people pay attention and then adds Dembo and all of a sudden it's blowing up. Yeah. And so do you find this was with SpongeBob, by the uh, way, SpongeBob yes, was SpongeBob meme, obviously. Um, and but yeah, but do you find because, you, you know, you describe this sort of as a reclaiming of the genre. Do you find that um, it's maybe even going further into like strip mining the genre or like is it, you know, I remember there was like. Well, yeah, a, that's the other that's the other step. It becomes like the the lingua franca musical of yeah. a country and then Diplo finds it. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, there was all that criticism of Justin Bieber when he like sampled Dembo, used Dembo and like Sorry or whatever the song was. Yeah. I mean. What yeah, you- I mean, I think it's like it's very much about positionality, you know, like who is sampling this? Like right. who is using Dembo? For some people, it is a reclamation like based on, you know, whatever their cultural background is. For other people, it's like they see it as like a very trendy, cool thing to use. And then they, there's no like understanding of the history and context behind it, which is very different, I think. Um, and I don't know. I think like it's, it's complicated. Like, yes, I'm obviously like excited that people, other people are excited by global rhythms and right. like, you know, these things that deserve to be celebrated. But at the same time, I think there needs to be some conversation around who is doing that. And you don't want to erase what it is, you know, like, uh, like this, this did not come with like a Justin Bieber shout out to reggaeton. No. Like, right. It's so it, it he wasn't just, like daddy Yankee. Right. <laughs> like, thank you for that song. Or like El General. Like he was not doing that. You better Although, work with El you know, sometimes I think it, it might, sometimes, you know, these things it's the, the erasure is kind of maybe accidental because there might be a producer who like comes from that background and they're going to be bringing their flavor to the thing, but it's not necessarily going to be like, and here's a guy from Puerto Rico. It's just like here's the hot new producer and this is what he does like so it's sort of but that doesn't mean that as critics we don't have um a responsibility to talk about it i agree well and that's a really interesting conversation because like we always hear that um you know like with like ballroom or what have you that like it's a cool beat at what point is the line crossed from like you know i'm referencing something to i'm flat out appropriating it or stealing it like what where do you think the line is crossed 
Whew, my friend, yeah. if I knew the answer. <laughs> hey, our job is hard. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, journalism. Um, okay, cool. Well, let's move on to some musica. What do we have? Um, so we have a song by Osuna. Oh, okay. They, he just played uh, MSG last night. Yeah, he? yeah. He played Mega Mezcla, like the big. La Mega's big throwdown that they do every year. That's what that was. I was yeah. trying to figure out what that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. And so this is song, the song Te Vas. Te Vas um, by Osuna. Why are we listening to this? I thought this... So Osuna is... First of all, Osuna is like very big in Puerto Rico right now. Right. Like one of the big reggaeton romantico stars coming out of there. And then second, I also just thought this was a brilliant reggaeton song because there's no bass line like it's literally just a hook it's like a piano what That's how it. what's going on yeah <laughs> okay so let's listen to osuna this is the song te vas Sentimiento, todo lo pagaría por tener tus besos y tal vez cambiar algo de pensamiento. He guardado silencio, pero ya no aguanto. Quisiera saber, solo dime hasta cuándo. Si será hasta nunca, por favor contesta. Que mi corazón necesita respuesta. Y si mi mente falla, mira mi corazón. No quiero que te vayas. Si tienes la razón, solo pido perdón. Ya ni duermo al saber que a mi lado no estás Noches de llanto preguntándole a la vida si volverá Y sufro como no te imaginas amor Tengo sentimiento, dime cómo aguantar tanto dolor Y te vas sin decirme nada, sin saber un porqué Dime la verdad si fui yo el que fallé Perdóname, solo quisiera ver tu corazón Y te vas sin decirme nada, sin saber un porqué Dime la verdad si fui yo el que fallé Perdóname, solo quisiera ver tu corazón.
Richard, you can come in and even say that. What the hell is this? It went nowhere. <laughs> it was amazing, Richard. I don't care what you say. <laughs> it's just like, it's just... Ding, dun, ding, dun, ding, dun. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of genius. No, it's cool, though, because when I, you said that, I wasn't sure what was going to happen because, uh, you know, okay, so no baseline. How is it a reggaeton song? And it's like, but the the stabs did the the little um, synthesizer stabs yeah, yeah, yeah. carried the rhythm and yes. they made it. And it's like a, there's a, it's a negative rhythm. Agreed. It's a rhythm Agreed. made of negative space that's very cool and innovative. Mm-hmm. So you describe this as reggaeton romantico. And um, I don't know... If you know, but reggaeton is really not my thing. Yes. Um, I'm like, you You know, you're describing like the snobby kids who like are really like look down on it. I'm, I'm one of them. <laughs> and so I was just like, that's why I was really looking forward to this episode because like I'm, I don't like hating things to hate things. I don't even hate reggaeton. It's just like, I'm like, oh, it just doesn't do it for, for me. You. Yeah. Um, so like, I mean. So reggaeton romantico is a genre, like, I mean, I've heard it thrown around, but it's not something that I associate with the genre itself. I always think of it as like, sort of like the la- the, the Latin response to hip hop is just bitches, money, drugs, you know, I'm, I'm the baddest. And that's kind of it on a dance hook. Um, what is this trend with reggaeton romantico? Yeah, so... So it's interesting because I feel like now we hear reggaeton romantico as a trend, but I feel like it's been part of the genre for a long time. Mm-hmm. And even I feel like I have been, even in my own writing and my own, you know, packaging of stories and stuff, I've kind of packaged this as like a new thing that's happening. But I feel like there have always been a few artists in reggaeton who have like challenged the idea that it's just about bitches and money and right. sex and like guns and dancing. Right. Um, Although those are all, I, I mean, that's the song right there. We just, we're going to remix that and release it. Exactly. That's everything. <laughs> um, but no, I feel like, you know, reggaeton romantico, I guess, is just like this other part of the genre that's more like sweet songs about love right. and like, a, you know, like love songs, that kind of thing. Right, right, right. Very like saccharine. Um, so like Maluma and uh, Balvin, and like Balvin. this is what they're really doing right now. Yes, I agree. And I think like. I wanted to talk about that because, you know, I think people might see it as like a new thing, but there have been artists like, you know, I feel like De La Ghetto or Cangel, when they like started, they had a few romantic songs right. or like Baby Raste Gringo. They also had like very romantic songs. So do you always need to have a couple romantic songs on your record? I think so. I, I think now you definitely do. It sells. It you're definitely not sells. Gonna, you're not going to get played yeah. on the radio if you don't have like a sweet song. Like, you know, that's just not going to happen. Well, I'm, I really, I mean, I'm shocked. And I was, um, so, okay. So the gay bars in Queens that I go to, they usually DJ straight from YouTube. And so you're just sitting there and you're like watching these music videos and it's like, you know, high production, dancers, cool, whatever. And then you start noticing that like, they have 500 million plays. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And so, like, I totally get that this, you know, reggaeton romantico, it reaches beyond the club and it reaches onto the radio and it reaches to, like, 12-year-old girls and boys' bedrooms. And it's just like... Well, I mean, it's the pop music yeah. of a lot of countries. Yeah. Exactly. You know? exactly. At this point, it's what it has become, like, hip-hop in the U.S. It's just, like, it, it dominates. Um, so, I mean... Well, getting back to Ozuna, um, so... This is a a huge artist, very like on the come up, as you've told us. And this track is really interesting, really minimal. Seems like it's uh, ready to be remixed, kind of begging for it. For sure. For real. Um, But I think um, maybe 
sort of my question is it is like uh so who within the genre is sort of innovating right now is is he one person like that who's in the mainstream and also sort of a successful proper reggaeton artist doing something different i think so i mean you know i think the thing is like for as many songs as osuna is doing this this like really weird minimal shit at the same time he has to do so many other pop songs you know what i mean like and i think also it's it's Another thing that I feel like is worth talking about is that the line between like reggaeton and hip hop is now blurring. Yeah. So you'll have these artists that have been reggaeton playing reggaeton for years and years and now they're doing trap songs. Right. So it's like, I don't even know if you can say anymore like this person is innovating in reggaeton because I feel like part of the very innovation is playing trap music too. So Indeed. And I think that maybe that's also generational where like a a lot of people don't distinguish between reggaeton or hip hop. It's like, this is, these are party jams. Mm -hmm. Here are all my party jams. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So like, I mean, so again, like Balvin, I I think Balvin is the name on everybody's lips. I know that he's definitely like a remescla darling. Yes. What sets Balvin apart, J Balvin apart, you know, from the pack? For me, I feel like he is almost like uh, a representation of like, what the promise of reggaeton is now. Um, I feel like, you know, for so many years, people were just kind of tired of reggaeton. They felt that it got repetitive. They felt that its moment was over, you know, like after maybe like 2009 or something like that. It's been around since the 80s. Yeah, it's been around for so long. I heard that um, it actually really originated in Panama. Yes, yes, it definitely did. Is that where El General is from? Yes, Ah. El General is from Panama. There we go. Playero Um, as well? Sorry, what? DJ Playero? Playero? No, Playero is Puerto Rican. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after, you know, after El General and like in Panama, the genre kind of migrated to Puerto Rico and and then it had its commercial moment and now it's like all across the diaspora. So this is something with like really deep roots, you know, that, you know, so you could be uh, forgiven for thinking maybe it's going to peak at some point. But I don't know if that really happens with genres once they get into people's hearts. Well, I think the name is also like not accidental. I think it does have roots in reggae and then it just like transcended, you know? I mean, it's like, it's very much uh, a product of like West Indian immigration in Panama. Right. So that's like where the reggae and dance hall roots come from. Huh. That I did not know. Yeah. (laughs) I just thought, you know. That's where the Dembo, like Dembo rhythm comes from like Shaba Ranks Dembo, (gasps) the song. Yeah. Um, I remember, oh, I had heard that. But I mean, of course I knew it came from, you know, reggae and dance hall, but um, I didn't realize that it was because of immigration. I thought that it just, um, reggae music was really popular throughout the Caribbean. And then folks in Panama, you know, wanted to sort of like make it more their own or like it was that kind of a thing. Yeah, no, it was because of West Indian immigrants who immigrated to Panama to work on the Panama Canal. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, that, that's like how how like dance hall and reggae and like the generations passed, and that's how it, you know, became the rhythm of reggaeton. So the next song that we have up is by La Favi featuring Del Tatron. So uh, the song is called Tu y Yo. Who are these people? What is this song, Isabella? Yes. Okay. I love this song. I brought it in because I feel like La Favi is one of like the biggest people innovating in reggaeton right now. Um, this is off of her recent EP, Reir y Llorar. And I love this song because I feel like it, she has such a unique voice. You know, it's like so airy, it's so light. Um, and like you really often don't hear that kind of vocalization on reggaeton songs. And she 
Um, she's actually like the grandchild of Spanish Civil War refugees. And she had like, you know, flamenco growing up in her home. Oh, so she takes like cantejondo, like the cantejondo style. Okay. And she kind of like brings that into reggaeton, which I feel like, you know, like, ah, like oh, I can't, okay. I can't do that. But like, you know. no, it was uncanny. It's just, it's fine. That's, <laughs> that's going to be the meme of this. We're going to remix it. Wonderful. We're going to sell it. Make it a drop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think, yeah. And I think her visuals even come with a lot of like roses in her hair and like lace. Yes. So, okay. I'm starting to see it now. Yes. I get it. I think it's like definitely informs her aesthetic as well. There was, um, I, I, I like her too. You introduced me to her, but, um, I was very into the sad girl sort of vibes and I really felt like she had, she was bringing a very Lana Del Rey kind of thing. I'm not a huge Lana Del Rey fan. In fact, I'm shocked and confused that she's become like this major symbol for a lot of people. Me too. But she's be she's found her people and they found her and they're not letting her go. And I'm, I guess if everyone's happy, that's great. Um, but I do recognize that that's an aesthetic. Mm-hmm. And so I, it's like, I don't, I still don't like Lana Del Rey, but I love LaFavi if she's yes. tapping into that. I agree. I agree. I feel like also, you know, Richard, earlier you mentioned that like, you know, women are historically like underrepresented in reggaeton yeah. and often it's about like being very assertive sexually and like, you know, reclaiming your own sexuality. And it's interesting cause I feel like LaFavi songs are like actually really sad. Like they're really kind of bleak. So that's like an interesting different perspective. Well, it's it, indoorsy reggaeton. Well, because we were talking about like uh, reggaeton romantico, and mm-hmm. it's even though it always feels like men in the genre are like really, really hard, now all of a sudden it's trendy for them to be emotional, which I feel like it's a role that's not afforded to women in the genre. I agree. Because then you'll I just agree. be like a prissy little princess, and it's just like, yeah. who wants to listen to that? You know, like that's that's the general sort of understanding. So it's cool to see her really being able to tap into her emotions and commercialize it. I agree. I agree. It's interesting that there's a similar there's a similar dynamic with dance hall as well. Like you can be a woman in dance hall and you can rule the airwaves, but you have to be really tough. Mm-hmm. So and it's which is unfortunate, but um, you know that there's there's less room to but. I think you you can't really have like a lot of mushy songs if you're a dude in dance hall either. So, it's true. but it's that's true. that's another story. Anyway, okay. So this is Lana Del Reggaeton. No wait, no wait, wait. Yes! <laughs> I've been sitting on this pun. Ah! <laughs> uh, no, so this is La Fabi featuring Delta Tron, and the song is Tu y Yo. Lo que siento Me voy 
Okay, so you did just see La Fabian del Tatron at South by Southwest, and we saw Del Tatron again this week with Lao, like yes. just at some random underground nonsense. What was that place? Is that place real? It's called Popper's Locarno, which is the funniest name for a venue I've ever heard. <laughs> right. I was just like, all right, Brooklyn, you really need to chill. What is a Popper's Locarno? I don't know, but I like it there. I know what poppers are. I don't, think, <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's what they were. I don't know if that's what they were referencing, but you know, anyway, but you also did just get back from the Isle of Light. Yes, I did. How was that? I'm so jealous. Oh my God. It was amazing. I, I really love going to Isle of Light because, like, obviously I'm Dominican. There are very few indie festivals in the Dominican Republic. And I feel like Isle of Light is, like, one of the only ones that is, like, doing a really good job of bringing, like, local Dominican artists and, like, a bunch of international ones together. I'm Um, seeing it getting um, a lot of international attention. It was written up in Billboard. um, I think Under the Radar covered it. You know, it's so it's it's interesting. Like uh, the word is getting out there. For sure. For sure. And I feel like this year especially was amazing because Rita Indiana played her first performance in six years, which was amazing. Did you ascend to a higher plane. I did. <laughs> I was drunk, but I did ascend to a higher plane. I feel like that's the only way. I feel like that's the only way. Like, el blue that's the way to go. You're just like, Wepa! like, <laughs> oh my God. 100%. Yeah, I don't know. It was so cool, especially like me. I feel like a lot of the music that we write about, you know, is is from like Latin America or Mexico. Right. And it's really cool to like be supporting something in the Caribbean, you know, because I feel like the Dominican indie scene is like so, so young. Yeah. And like it needs like an infrastructure. So I feel like it was really cool to be there and, and talk to people and learn about what's going on there. So young, but so brilliant. We decided not to play Mula because we all play Mula a lot and all talk about time. Mula a lot because we're obsessed. But like, <laughs> shout Isabella, out to you though, Mula, I love you. <laughs> yeah, how great are Mula? Amazing. You know, I'm plotting this like big old weirdo trip next year where, you know, I, I plan on spending like a month or two traveling around the Caribbean. And, I, you know, I'm really like in looking at it and thinking about it, I've been looking at sort of the scenes uh, in Puerto Rico and DR side by side, how different they are, how Puerto Rico is really sort of like taking a very interesting electronic, very sort of introspective turn where like DR is really sort of like opening up for the turn up, but like the indie turn up. Yes. Like, you Agreed. know, you know how like Buscabulla played there recently and it was like huge it was like well maybe not huge but it was like a really dope party that a lot of people were talking about they brought astro not that long ago you know so i was just like i don't what do you feel what do you think is sort of like the indie presence or like the indie market in dr at the moment it's interesting because i feel like you know there is not a lot of separation between genres and scenes in the way that like you know here in new york you'll have like the punk scene or you'll have like you know, or different genres of punk scene. Like there's like yes. the cold wave punk scene. There's, you know, this one block in Bushwick hardcore scene and true. So like you just, you don't have as much like separation just because like I said, there isn't like that infrastructure. So there's a lot of like opportunity for collaboration between people who are like indie electronic and like maybe like the hip hop producers. So that's cool, you know, but, um, and I mean, that is sort of how, uh, Moolah got together. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, 
Las Acevedo, which was the project that um, Cristabel and Annabel had before Mula, was like a folk pop project, yeah. you know? And then like, I was into it. It was yeah. very Juno soundtrack. Yes. <laughs> yes, it was. And then they, you know, they met uh, the producer, Rachel, Rachel Rojas, and who was an electronic producer and the project became like electronic after that. Yeah. When I, when I interviewed them, they were like, you know, Rachel was like, yeah, I was like looking for people to collaborate with. And they were like the first ones to get back to me. And I'm like, that sounds faded in the stars. Agreed. It it like, it works perfectly. (laughs) I feel like these like very, like it's one of the things that I often talk about is like how Adele or Lana Del Rey are perfect for like remixing and hitting the club just cause like those ballads are really great. So it made perfect sense in my head to see like Las Acevedo with their very sweet sort of quiet pop, like folk pop to be like on an electronic medium works perfectly. It's just like, it's so good what they do. I totally agree. Shout out to DR. Shout out to Dominican indie. (laughs) Um, okay. So let's move on to some more musica. Oh, is Miss Nina Dominican? No, she's Argentine. What? I know you listening to this song, you would think she's Dominican. The song is called Traqueteo. How is she not Dominican? (laughs) What are you talking about? I don't know. I mean, honestly though, I think it's part of like Dominican slang making its way into like a lot of reggaeton and, Mm. and hip hop. But no, Miss Nina is Argentine, um, living in Spain. So that's what? like, yeah. It's Actually, like, there's a huge Dominican community in Spain. There is. When my boyfriend and I went, we realized that all of the saunas in Spain were uh, managed by Dominicans. Fun wow, fact. Wow, I love that. I'm <laughs> definitely going to hit up a sauna. <laughs> Ooh, uh, you trust me, you don't want but, um, <laughs> but, okay, so wh- who is Miss Nina? So, okay, so she lives in Spain. She is intense. This song is great. Like, I know. Got me together. Yeah. So Miss Nina, she actually was like uh, an internet artist, like a net artist, visual artist um, uh, a few years ago. And she kind of decided to move into music and started making reggaeton. Um, But I love this song because it's just like, it's such a throwback. It's like bachaton almost, like, you know, the bachata riffs that, you know, in reggaeton, that was like a big moment um, in the mid 2000s where you would hear like bachata riffs. Um, in the genre. So I thought this was just like such a fun song. You know, I think like my favorite line is like, she says like, aguacate con aceite pa que crezca este culo, which is just <laughs> Um, yeah. Uh, I understood one of those words. <laughs> one of them. And I am not going to repeat it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so this is Miss Nina. The song is called Traqueteo. I just also love saying Miss Nina. It's just, I'm getting like, you know, hairdresser vibes with like really long nails. Anyway, let's just listen to the shit and some dancing. You haven't even seen her videos. That's amazing.
Okay, so we were all super into that, and um, we were talking about how like she's she's very monotone. She sounds like she doesn't give a fuck. Um, I was like, oh wait, this is like Peaches doing reggaeton, which is amazing. Honestly, I think we need to like just come up with a list of artists that need to do them most. Like Lana Del Rey is on it. Yeah, like, Peaches is on it now. Come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm here ready. for this. I mean, Drake has already been there and done that, right? Champagne Poppy forever, though. True. The I love Dominican Drake. By, by the way, Remezcla's obsession with making Drake Dominican is like one of my favorite things. Drake made himself Dominican. We just need to make sure that he understands. True. I, I just charted the history of it. I'm just going to say oh, did you that really? I documented it. <laughs> there was a, there wasn't there a. I forget what the meme was, but it was. I know Andrea wrote the piece, and it was something about linking Drake to Aguacate, and I forget what it was, but it made me so happy because it was his, a hysterical meme, and oh I was just God. like, what are you doing? <laughs> um, it's just, I, I don't know. I mean, like, and I guess he, like, sort of rides for Dominicans really hard, He does. Too. I mean, one of his, like, videos from 2011 was filmed in Casa de Campo, like. Right. So yeah. what is going on there? I don't know. I think it's just like, you know, the same way that Drake was surrounded by or interested in like a bunch of different global rhythms that he like came upon Dominicans. Is and it like trendy learned about Dominican? Dominican girls? I might be. Dominicans are the new Mexicans. That's what I For said. real. For real. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what, what would that mean? Um, I don't know. Everybody <laughs> wants to do it. Everybody wants to be you, see you. Like, I don't know. I feel like, the, well, Dominicans have like a really infectious sort of like vibe that like, it's just like good times, fun times. So I guess I could see why artists want to roll with that and like, you know, just like want to convey like that warmth. Like DR, like Dominicans are like stand in a very separate corner from the rest of Latin America and how and and how they like are perceived and how they roll with the world. I don't know, girl. Um, that's have- cool. that's that's cool then that like you know that's gonna have cachet. Oh, totally. All right. Uh, do you have an, another? Okay, so I do have some questions, right? Because you're our boss lady at Remezcla. So um, obviously, like most, probably most of the people that listen to our show know what Remezcla is, know what Remezcla does. Um, how would you describe for somebody who maybe doesn't know what Remezcla mes- Remezcla's message or vibe is? Sure. Um, I think two things. What we do is kind of try to celebrate young Latino culture. You know, I think we, you see so many outlets like celebrating mainstream American culture and like not really incorporating Latinos into that at all. And like, I think it's important to have like a platform that does that. And I think that's what Hermescla does. I also think, you know, what part of what we do is building like a bridge between 
things that are happening in different music scenes in, in Latin America and then what's happening here in the U.S. So, like, you know, people like me, when I started out, like, I'm U.S. raised, U.S. born, and I was really interested in learning on what's happening in indie scenes in, in Latin America, you know? Right. So I feel like part of what we do is, like, inform people about that. So hmm. I feel like Remezcla has been really instrumental in sort of, like, building a bridge between many of these countries and cultures and communities. Cause it's just like, Oh, there's that, there's that, you know, musician from the U S who happens to be Latin, you know, where now it's just like, Oh, we're part of the same scene or community. And that's something that didn't used to exist. And I really appreciate that. I notice it when I travel, you know, like two years ago, I was like at normal and like people came up to me and were like, you're that Remezcla guy. And I'm like, you're like, what? You what know what you mean? Girl, <laughs> who? You know, and but it's just like, it's weird because, again, it's like, again, it's creating sort of like these bonds and connections between different communities where like, you know, a, an airplane ticket is crazy expensive. Now we can all like kind of interact online, which I find is really exciting. And I feel like Remesca is really good at providing content and, and also highlighting a lot of like, you know, underground or unknown uh artists. I agree. Cause I feel like, you know, a lot of the media, you know, there's, there's just like, I feel like there's not enough media outlets that are committed to covering like emerging right. Latino talent because we're always seen as like a separate category and like something that's completely like niche yeah. when it's like, no, you should just celebrate this cause it's cool. Hello. <laughs> I mean, and that's the thing. It's just like, I, I will usually, I, you know, I have a day job other than writing for Remezcla and I, whenever I have like a new album or a new, you know, artist or whatever, and I'm, I'm testing out the waters, I, I have to like listen to it. I have to process it. So I'll like play it really loudly at work as I, as I do my paperwork or what have you. And like, I'll have people walk past my office and like, it'll be like the new Alex Ambanter album or whatever. And like, it's highly exclusive within our circles and people will literally walk by and be like, that's neat. <laughs> you know, so like, but there is a, a place for there and there, there is an appeal and like half the time they don't really listen to it. And like, it takes like three or four songs later for them to realize it's in Spanish, you know? And it's just like, it, it points to the validity of the genre of what people are doing of like the fact that like language is really just not enough to sort of like divide it or, or like if you, if you actually get over yourself and get over the language hang up, you can really appreciate the quality of the music that's coming out. For sure, for sure. Mm. And, you know, I think it's happening, you know. Um, a few years ago, I was complaining that Pitchfork or wherever wasn't, com like, covering enough artists who sing in Spanish, enough artists from outside the U.S. And now whenever I'm Googling something, you know, someone's already covered it. And I'm just like, all right, you got it. Cool. Well, I, think, I feel like there's a lot more coverage now for Latinx artists. I mean, the fader has really sort of like taken it in and so, so has like spin and noisy and thump. I mean, do you think Remezcla plays, has played a role in like, you know, waking people up to the validity and I importance think so. of Latinx? I think so. I mean, I really think people see us as like a curator and like mm. a tastemaker in that capacity. You know, like I think if you, if you Google, if you do enough research, like we've been here since, you know, 10 years, 10 years doing this, like covering this culture, covering these scenes. And I still feel like we have a really unique place where we can have this knowledge about these cultures and these scenes that a lot of other places don't. So I think it's like, it's cool that people come to us and see what we're doing and see what, that what we're doing is valid. So 
No, and everyone who knows Ramez Club like immediately acknowledges that. They're, you know, if I say I work for a maze club, people freak out <laughs> if they've heard of a maze club. Right. Um, if they haven't, they, they want to know, but, um, no, but people are just like, oh my God, a maze club is the coolest. And I'm, so it's very, um, that's, that's very heartening, but also, you know, music programmers, editors, don't pretend like you're not reading a maze club. We're watching you. <laughs> I mean, I definitely appreciate like, you know, uh, I feel like Ramezcla is really good at reaching out to people to give people a voice like the writers. Um, when, when I was, you know, asked to contribute, which again, it's like really nuts to me that like, they were like, no, I wasn't even asked. I was, it was demanded of me. Like Andrea <laughs> was like, so you're going to start writing for us. And I was like, okay. Um, and, but I remember I was, they were like, so what, what would you talk about? And I'm like, well, I feel like, you know, you guys are good at like mentioning like queer stuff, but not highlighting some it so much. And in the time that I've been there and I'm, I'm not going to claim responsibility for this, but I know that like there has been a, a huge space made for queer artists, queer, uh, passions, queer projects, queer visibility. And so like, that's huge to me. Like I, during, you know, last June I wrote five pieces about queer issues, which to me is huge. I like, I felt so excited to be able to have a platform with which to highlight my community. And that's another thing that's treated as separate or not covered in some places, et cetera, et cetera. So that's awesome. Well, there's major intersectionality at Remezcla and, and, uh, you know, one of the, one of the issues that, one of the things that I really wanted to ask you about, um, we, you know, we were talking about reggaeton. We've talked about the place of women within reggaeton. And then there's journalism. And I feel like, you know, we've been here literally on the podcast and like, you know, Bev will get a, a, a notification about like some guy mansplaining some nonsense on like Instagram. And it's just like, when do I do that? Oh, wait. Yeah, that that did, that did, yeah, happen. That did that, happen. That's <laughs> like an actual thing that happened. Um, you know, and so I'm just like, you know, true life, Beverly Bryant. <laughs> <laughs> but do you find that like, have you had to like fight to be taken seriously or is that not something that you've had to like deal with as much? I mean, I personally feel like I've been so blessed to be able to have worked with women almost exclusively in mm. my career. And I've really, that is like, that is a very new thing for a Shout lot of people. Shout out to women editors. <laughs> yeah. For like, for real, because I, I feel like I've really built up the skills and like the capacity to to go through this, this industry in a way that like I wouldn't have if it hadn't been for women mentors, you know? And I mean, I, you know, I still get like the offhanded comments that like, you know, like you don't know anything about music, those types of things. But like, I, I do feel like, you know, I, I haven't had like the experience of a lot of women in this industry. And that's like, I'm very lucky and blessed to be able to say that. So dope. Um, okay, so uh, let's move on from that to some more musica. So we have a song by Kamikslaw. Um, and then the, the song is Bloodless Why. One, two, three for Jesus. Don't worry, yes. that's, my, that's my editing mark. <laughs> um, so uh, what can you tell us about Kamikslaw? Kamikslaw, okay. So Kamikslaw is a producer who's based in London. He co-founded this collective called Bala Club. And he is part of like a pretty small Chilean diaspora there in London. And I think it's really cool what he does. It's very, I don't know. I just really appreciate, I appreciate what he does because it's like very industrial and dark at the same time that he's like referencing reggaeton. So, um, I think like, especially in, in Britain, it's like a completely different context for, you know, this reimagining of reggaeton in Latin America, you know, as like someone who is of the diaspora, 
there in London, the audience of who he's playing to is completely different. You know, it's like mostly British kids. And he's from Chile. Yes. Which is interesting because Chile is not known for producing reggaeton, but I've heard it's very, very popular there. Yes, I agree. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's like it's really cool. I think he's one of the voices like in Europe, uh, the um, like emerging Latinx diaspora there who's like giving a voice to reggaeton or at least the reimagining of reggaeton. So. Okay, so let's let's listen to that now. This is Bloodless Y by Camixlo.
me when the album comes this. out. Well, <laughs> who's clearly not going to get in touch with me? I'm like, so when's the album coming out? There and like this and like Homeboy mm. is like. So they're going to South by Southwest. I'm like, I know. When's the album coming out? <laughs> yeah, and, and we're back on the mic, by the way, because like we, we're talking about journalism. and like this I hate is, you. <laughs> well, no, no, no. I, I didn't catch the scary part. Don't worry. But, you know, it's, it, you know, we're talking about journalism and we're talking about like sort of like, you know, my uh, uh, inclination to overstepping boundaries to get the story. What are you talking about, <laughs> That's what makes you a good Richard? journalist, my friend. <laughs> That's exactly what makes you a good I journalist. Mean, look, I, you know, I... I have said and I will always say I got into this scene because I wanted to like have friends and like I wanted to like support musicians and artists and stuff and I'm like if you know I got into it because I want free music <laughs> hey, that's the only reason I'm and here and that shit's real I'm like look if I got into like a fist fight with Isabella this week and like you know Romesco fired me I'd still be at the gigs <laughs> can even I if fist it were fight awkward. you Richard yeah, you know I've, do you want to take this outside you'd probably win girl <laughs> I know better I'd rather just block you on Facebook or something actually effective and then you know I'm, now I'm trying to figure out like whose side would I take this would be really really hard for me true but you know I feel I feel like a lot of like uh, other writers or like journalists actually like listen to our show um again you're our boss lady um do what what annoys you least <laughs> or like what <laughs> what what's, way of asking what's the question? key to being a decent writer do you feel okay curious do you guys mean like the craft or like in the industry or well, both? Well, like when, when you, again, you are an editor at, you know, a, a well-established, you know, music journalist. Well, not, not music journalism. Just as a, Which as a, no one cares about music journalism as a culture at a cultural <laughs> people barely care about, music. I care about music journalism, but okay. So I'm pitching to you. I'm like, Hey, I would like to write about this thing. So what in a story, what is it that you feel is, is a compelling argument or what, what do you want to see in a story? I feel like, first of all, it's important to know, exactly the publication that you're pitching to. Right. Like you should be very familiar with what we do, regardless if it's Remezcla or like, you know, whatever publication that you're pitching to, you should be very familiar with it and make sure that it's like a good fit and that they haven't covered it before. I feel like those are very obvious things, but you'd be surprised. Like I know that people are like so excited to get their voice out there that sometimes they like don't take those like basic steps to look that up. But I feel like it's important to do that. Um, I also feel like I really appreciate when writers know how to tell the story that they want to tell. Like if they propose like a format or like, you know, whatever the angle is, like I, I need to have a, a strong angle. You know, I, I don't, I, I don't like to see pitches that are just topics. Right. I, I, it needs to be like a narrative that you're telling me. That's what I'd say. Um, or if like, it's just a song, like why you think it should be hi- highlighted. Right. Right. Um, I think it, it also helps in that case, I'm I'm going to hazard a guess that uh, the writer will have looked at the website and, and known what kind of features you have so that, you know, if they if their idea for a story is in the form of a top 10 list, I, I hope you have top 10 lists. Exactly. And that's not too hard to find out. Yeah. I mean, I find, I think what you're saying is really, really important. And it's, it's funny that you should even mention like the whole, like, why would we just be reviewing a song? Like, what's the angle? And I think that's something I I get a lot of pitches from fellow musicians or friends of friends who are like, Hey, check out this person's band out. Here's the new song that they put out. And I'm like, 
that's cool, but you clearly don't understand the publication. Like, for Remezcla to just write about a song, it better be Café Tacuba, not, like, your friend's punk band from down the block. Like, what's where's the story? Where's the angle? Where are the clicks? Where's the intrigue? Where's, you know, like... Yeah, and I mean, even if it is, like, an emerging band, I think there's value in covering that. Sure. It's just, like, you know, what is it about this band's scene? Like, why are right. they standing out? What is what is musically happening here that's interesting that you think are is worth highlighting? Are they serious? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and that's what, one of the things. It's just like, you know, I, uh, that, that that's why I pointed out. I was just like, I feel like Remezcla is really great at highlighting mainstream artists as well as emerging talent. But it's just like, again, for emerging talent, you also have to understand that, like, readers out there aren't just going to click and listen to every single thing that gets posted. So, like, what is the story? What is the angle? Well, hey, actually, that lost? that's a really good question because i think more than like there are people who like want to know how to like break into music journalism there's people who want to know like how to get a track covered or like what is like or like why isn't anyone covering their favorite artists so maybe i'd like to ask you like what does it take to get like a new song that's just like chilling on soundcloud um like onto a music blog i mean that's a tough one i feel like a relevant music blog (laughs) (laughs) i feel like I don't know. I I was thinking about this on the way here and I feel like you got to think about how little attention people have today, yep. you know? Like what you need to do when you're presenting your music or even as a writer or a creator, I think you need to, you know, right from the start come with a story like I think I'm doing this, no one else is doing this or I think this is important because no one else in my community is playing this kind of music. Yeah. Like that those are the kinds of things that I'm really interested in and I feel like it's important to highlight that kind of stuff. I just feel like there's so much like saturation True. of music journalism now. Like there's so many, like just like think about like scrolling, just how many songs there are in the world. And I just feel like if we're highlighting it, if we're giving it space, we're championing it. And there's a reason why, you know, and it, there's like, there should be a story behind it. And uh, that's an interesting thing because, um, I've noticed that there's been a movement away and people have discussed this from negative reviews. And I think one reason is that there's just no room to write about music that we don't really like or care about. Yeah. So it's either like, this is so offensive that we need to write 500 words about why this song should not have been made. Or this song is really great and you need to listen to it right now. Yes. And, you know, I don't really mind that. You know, in the old days, it's sort of like, you know, you wait years for the next Rolling Stones record and everyone flips out. And now there's a million things you could be listening to. And so it's the game has changed completely, which is OK. Yeah. You know? I mean, I feel like it's it's really contextual because I feel like negative reviews, you know, they definitely had their place. And I feel like if you're using your platform to call something out, like that's important. Right. But I do feel like sometimes like the negative review exercise is really self-indulgent and it's like it's like are you really using your platform to like call something out that's a problem or are you just using it to like use some nice adjectives that are bad (laughs) well but then where where does it fall when you know maybe a hyped record that wasn't good still gets the positive review because it's a hyped artist you know like let's say cafe tacuba drops an album tomorrow and it's trash you still kind of have to talk about it because it is Café Tacuba's new record. For sure. And I mean, I think there's space to be nuanced about these things. Right. Like, I don't really believe in doing takedowns right. of artists. I don't see the utility in doing that because, and especially like really high profile artists, like I think that there's 
there's a lot of space to to explore things and it's just like the world we live in now like it makes you think that everything is like so myopic and so black and white but like you forget that there is like a lot more nuance to these things right. than there is yeah i guess in, in that sense you can't say like oh well cafe tacuba is trash and this album is trash because that's just not true and they're never going to make an album that like has nothing to say that's right. after everything they've done that's impossible exactly so you have to approach like well what happened here if let's say it was really bad, you know, so then you can sort of investigate that. Um, okay. So, um, our next song is our last song. Um, I guess just before we go, I just have one last question. I mean, you are steeped in music, you know, you get pelted music at you more probably (laughs) 10 times more than what actually makes it onto, you know, remezcla itself. What are some trends that you're noticing? What are you excited for? What is happening? What's coming? Good question. I feel like, I don't know, I've seen this trend of a lot more collaboration between artists that I think I I really like. I see like the boundaries of, and in part due to like, obviously the internet and everything, like we can talk to each other a lot more. Um, I've seen like these boundaries where like scenes that wouldn't, that are doing similar things, like wouldn't be able to communicate are now able to do that. Mm. And I think that's really cool. Um, so what, wait, what's an example of that? Um, I feel like in, for example, like even La Favi, La Favi is based in the Bay area. Delta Tron is from Lima, Peru. Right. And they made an EP together. I think that's really cool. You know, like that wouldn't have been able to happen if, SoundCloud didn't exist. <laughs> and that's fact. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he wouldn't have been like playing a tiny venue in Bushwick either if it wasn't for the internet, I'm guessing. With Lau, one of the hottest, you know, producers, DJs out of Mexico at the moment. Mm-hmm. So Thank you, internet. You're our best friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So that's really exciting. I mean, I think also based on the whole theme of this episode, one of the things I'm really excited about is reggaeton artists, like remaking the genre yeah. and like a lot of independent artists like reclaiming it. So well, in that case, tell us about what Balloon is doing yes. with the Dembo. Um, Balloon is a Puerto Rican group and they coined the term Dreambo, which you should know. Um, I live for a good pun. So cute. <laughs> I know. It's amazing. Um, it sounds so much like Angelica. It's ridiculous. I know. I know. Um, so this is like, I, this song came out last year. I think it's a few months old now, but I do feel like it's a good example of like, Again, like Dembo, the Dembo rhythm coming back in this really interesting way. Um, it's like a collision of dream pop and Dembo. So that's what Dreambo is. Okay, cool. So th- we're going to sign out with uh, Balloons La Nueva Ciudad. But before we do, I just want to remind everybody that you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of that jazz. Um, uh, uh, Isabella, where can people find you? me um well you can follow remezcla on twitter and facebook at remezcla of course and um my twitter handle is at habladora with three a's at the end i live for habladora i was just like that feels so real to me yes i was just like (laughs) like i don't know how many people out there get it but i'm just like because habladora in dr it, it just means like not only that you talk a lot but you're probably like a liar or like a chismosa or just like exactly and, and that's that is so what better name for a journalist <laughs> right <laughs> like is that that could also be like your blog when you like go off and like form your yeah. own lifestyle thing true <laughs> although i'm going to have to request twitter to like 
take down that other person who has the only one A spelling of habladora, oh, I'm girl. still mad at you. I'm oh, still is mad. that why you have that? Yes. <laughs> that would make that makes perfect sense. I just like I've, when I read that, I was like. Yes. Like recently I like I changed like my career thing on Facebook to like professional chismosa at song mess. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I get it. Like, that's kind of what you are when you're a journalist. I didn't see you? it, but that's wonderful. Yeah, isn't it cute? But yeah, like, no, like habladora, that gave me all of the life. There you go. Um, all right, Bev, anything else before we take off into the stratosphere? Thank you, Isabella. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thank you so much for coming, boss lady. I'm not going to get tired of saying that. (laughs) Um, Okay, this has been Song Mess. That was Isabella Herrera. This is Balloon with La Nueva Ciudad. Thank you so much, guys. We'll catch you next time. Bye. Was that the best episode we've ever done? See?